Last week, we talked about what happens to you when you come to Christ. You actually enter into a war zone, a battlefield. And there are three great enemies of our soul. There's the world. And when we say the world, we're not talking about the physical world. We're talking about the system behind the world. We're talking about the way that the world and the system is opposed to God and, and is trying to fill up the emptiness that people feel. Then, when we talk about spiritual warfare, most people think about the evil one, the devil. When I was growing up, uh, one of the comedians was Flip Wilson. And one of his famous lines was, the devil made me do it. Whenever, whenever he did something that uh, wasn't approved of, he would say, well, it wasn't my fault. The devil made me do it. The devil is a, is a real enemy, and he exists, and, and he is the source of the downfall of humanity. So we do battle. We do battle against the world through loving the Father. We love the Father. The Lord's Prayer is all about depending on the Father for all of our needs. We battle the evil one through Jesus in particular. Why? Because Jesus went toe-to-toe with the devil and defeated him. Defeated him in every way. So, so we, can, we can bring in Jesus into those moments where we feel attacked. And I guarantee you, if you bring Jesus into the situation, the devil will flee. Now, we're pretty aware of the struggle in the world and with the, with the devil, right? What, what we overlook often is, a, is an internal enemy. You have a traitor living inside of you. And it's called, in Scripture, the flesh. And the only way to overcome, and, and it's not only insidious, it's incessant. The devil may take a break, <laughs> and the world may lose its allure, but the flesh never goes away. It's, it's there all the time. We, we compared it to rust. We are always rusting. Because, because the flesh is always trying to regain control in our lives. And, and the member of the Godhead dedicated to helping us overcome this internal enemy is the Holy Spirit. And that's one of the reasons why the Holy Spirit dwells in us. Just like, just like the flesh, just like the old nature, the old man is inside of us, the Holy Spirit dwells in us as well. And he's the only one, he's the only one who can help us, who can give us victory over this old nature, this old man, or the flesh. And the passage of Scripture, in fact, the whole book, of Galatians is all about learning to walk in the Spirit. But Galatians chapter 5 really is pointedly telling us how to, 
how to live in the Spirit, how to walk in the Spirit, how to be led by the Spirit, and how to bear the fruits of the Spirit. So we're going to read this morning Galatians 5, 16 through 26, and I'm going to have you stand today. It'll be up on the screen, so um, you can say it with me, or you can just listen, but let these words speak to you. They're very powerful words, and, and this is the source of victory in the world. But I say, walk by the Spirit. Now notice, this is a promise, not a command. Here's a promise. If you walk by the Spirit, and you will not gratify the desires of the flesh. For the desires of the flesh are against the Spirit, and the desires of the Spirit are against the flesh. For these are opposed to each other. to keep you from doing the things you want to do. (laughs) So you may think that you're doing what you want to do. You're not. You're not. You're either doing what the Spirit wants, or you're doing what the flesh wants. But if you are led by the Spirit, you are not under the law. Now the works of the flesh are evident. Sexual immorality, impurity, sensuality, idolatry, sorcery, enmity, which is hatred, strife, jealousy, fits of anger, rivalries, dissensions, divisions, envy, drunkenness, orgies, and things like these. I warn you, as I warned you before, that those who do such things will not inherit the kingdom of God. So those are the works of the flesh. Now listen to this. As compared to the fruit of the Spirit. But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. And by the way, all of those nine things are just nine different expressions of love, right? There's love, and then there's joy. And what is joy? Joy is love rejoicing. Love, joy, peace. What is that? It's love resting. So these are all just expressions of the one word, love. And those who belong to Christ Jesus have crucified the flesh with its passions and desires. If we live by the Spirit, in other words, if we came alive by the Spirit, which we did, if we live by the Spirit, let us keep in step with the Spirit. That's walking in the Spirit. And and why step? Because it's a moment-by-moment, step-by-step process. Let us not become conceited, provoking one another, envying one another. May God bless his word. You may be seated. Have you ever thought about, and I'm sure you have, this is a rhetorical question, Have you ever thought about something you knew was wrong and you went ahead and did it anyhow? Or have you ever been impressed to do something good but you neglected to do it? I've had that happen to me, both of those things. And if you're like me, afterward, 
here's what you did. You vowed never to act that way again, right? Lord, I'm sorry, I'll never do that again. Only you did. Right? Paul expresses that. If, if you read through Romans 7, it, I call it the schizophrenic chapter in the Bible. Because Paul is talking about this, this inner conflict that's going on inside of him, just like you and me. And here's, here's how he simplifies the whole thing. He says, For I do not do the good I want to do, but the evil that I do not want to do, I keep on doing. He's so overwhelmed at the end of it. He says, he says Oh, wretched man that I am. Who will deliver me from this body of sin? Thanks be unto the Lord Jesus Christ, who gives us the victory. Why, why do we experience this? Why, why don't we do the good that we want to do? And why do we do the bad that we know we shouldn't? Why? Here's why. Galatians 5.17. We just read it. Here's why. For the desires of the flesh are against the spirit, and the desires of the spirit are against the flesh. For these are opposed to each other to keep you from doing the things that you want to do. There's his answer. You know why you can't do the good that you'd like to do all the time? You know why you do the bad that you don't want to do? You want to know why? Here's why. Because there's a conflict in your soul. And, and you've, you have inside of you two sets of desires. Did you know that? Every one of us, as, as children, Unbelievers don't have two sets of desires. They only have one set of desires. But if you're a believer, you actually have two sets of desires inside of you. One of them comes from the flesh, and the other comes from the Spirit. Now, where did these two sets come from? How did they get inside of us? Well, you were born with the desires from the flesh. <laughs> you were born with it. The moment, you know, that doctor whacked you, it's like that, those desires just kicked into place. Like, and you know what it was? I want what I want. I'm the center of the universe. And if I'm upset, somebody better do something. So we were born with that. We were born with this self-centered ego that sees the world through our terms. You were born again with the desires of the Spirit. That's why you must be born again, because, because you have to become a new creation. You have to become a, a, a new identity. You have to become a new person with a whole new set of desires. And that's what the Holy Spirit did. You were birthed. He took the work of Jesus Christ and he applied it to you. Galatians 2.20 I am crucified with Christ. I. The I there is the flesh. We'll talk about what the flesh is in a minute, but the I there is the flesh. I am crucified with Christ. Nevertheless, I live a, a whole new I. A born-again I. Nevertheless, I live. Yet not I, but 
Christ lives in me through the Holy Spirit, who's applying the work and the life of Christ. I actually have the divine nature of Christ in me as applied by the Holy Spirit. And the life that I now live, I live by the faith of the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. That's where that whole new set of desires took place. Now let's talk about the flesh for a moment because a lot of people get confused about the flesh. What is the flesh? It's confusing because when we think of flesh, we automatically think along physical lines, right? And, and there's a whole religion. There's a whole religion, and, and ancient Greek philosophers, this is what they believe. They believe that all the sin that was in us actually was part of our physical bodies, so they look down on the physical body. God doesn't look down on the physical body. He loves the physical body. He made the physical body. He just made it to work in a certain way. And it's not working the way it's supposed to. So when we're talking about the flesh here, especially in Galatians 5, we're not talking about the physical body. We're talking about the desires of the old nature. It's, it's called, the flesh is called the old nature or the old man. Whenever I see the word nature, old nature, old man, used in a spiritual sense, I think of it along the lines of disposition. Your nature is your disposition, and it has to do with your disposition towards God. Here's what the flesh is. The flesh is a hostile disposition towards God. It came into being when Adam and Eve sinned in Genesis 3. Here's, here's a more technical definition of what the flesh is. The flesh is the ego that feels an emptiness and uses the resources in its own power to try to fill up that emptiness. That's what drives it. What drives all of us is we're born with this emptiness and we're trying to fill it up. And the flesh wants to fill it up in its own power, in its own strength, with its own resources. Flesh is the I who tries to satisfy me with anything but God's mercy and grace. And, and guess what the flesh hates? The, the flesh hates God's mercy and grace. Hates it. I've talked to enough people over the course of my life to realize that I can usually, I can usually at some point convince them that there's something wrong with them. They'll finally say, yeah, okay, John, I get it. I'm not who I'm supposed to be. I get that. You know what I find impossible? I find impossible the ability to convince them that there's nothing they can do about it. Because it's like, no, no, I can do something. I, I can try harder. I can learn some techniques. I can read some self-help books. I can, I can do good stuff. No, I can become a better person. No, no. See, that's, that's the biggest lie that the flesh has for you. Before you came to Christ, 
the flesh was in charge. See, that's the whole thing. Before you come to Christ, these desires that you have, that you were born with, to fill up the emptiness, you were in a master-slave relationship with the flesh. For some people, the flesh is expressed in rebellion. Typically, when we think of somebody who's living in the flesh, we think of the outright rebels, right? The people who are, who are openly defying God. But let me tell you something about the flesh. The flesh can play both sides of the street. For others, the flesh is expressed in morality, ultimately in legalism. You want to hear the perfect song for the flesh? You want to hear the perfect song for the flesh? I did it my way. I did it my way. See, that's what the flesh wants more than anything else. The flesh wants to do it his or her way. What about the other set of desires? Well, they came from the Spirit of God. When you came to Christ, the Spirit put to death the old nature and gave you a new nature or a new disposition with a desire to please God and to submit to his rule. You never had that before. When you come to Christ, now you have a new desire. And your new desire is to be pleasing to God and to submit to his rule. Now, if I have a new nature, if I was given this new nature when I accepted Christ to be pleasing to God, then why do I have this internal struggle, right? Why is this struggle still going on? Because the new nature on its own, now you, you have to catch this, because here's the whole reason for the Holy Spirit dwelling in us. The new nature on its own doesn't have the power to defeat the old nature. In very simple terms, this is how I say it, pardon my French, the old nature can always kick the new nature's butt. Like every time. On its own. I don't have that power. The old nature is all... If, if my new nature gets into a contest with the old nature, if I say, no, 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 I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to memorize scripture and I'm going to pray and I'm going to count to ten and, and I'm depending on myself for that, I lose every time. Why? Because the source of power in my life is not the new nature. The new nature is simply a disposition to be pleasing unto God. Now I need a power source that can dwell in that new nature so that I can live victoriously and overcome the flesh. Here's an important thing to realize. When the old nature was put to death, it was put to death in its position as master. When, it, when we say, I was crucified with Christ, here's what that means. It means the old nature got a demotion. And what died in the old nature was its right and its ability to rule. 
in my life. However, here's why the conflict goes on. Even though it no longer has the right to rule, it still has influence. And that's what we feel. And it's always, always trying to regain the throne. We have a new master. Did you know that? Let me tell you about the way God designed human beings to function. God designed human beings to function and always have a master in their life. We like to think of ourselves as free and independent agents, but we're not. As that great theologian Bob Dylan said, you're going to serve somebody. You're going to serve somebody. Why? Because we were made to serve. It says Jesus becoming a human meant that he became a servant. What does that mean? It means he just became like us. The Spirit is applying the life of Jesus to our new nature, and only the Holy Spirit can provide the power to overcome the flesh as we walk in the Spirit. Now, I'm sure if you've been in church any amount of time, some pastor somewhere has said to you, well, just walk in the Spirit. (laughs) Right? You having problems? Just walk in the Spirit. Well, what, what does it mean? How do we walk in the Spirit? Galatians 5.18. Here's the first way. I'm going to give you two giant ways to walk in the Spirit. First way is, Galatians 5.18, but if you are led by the Spirit, you are not under the law. You know, when Jesus made disciples, what did he say? What, when he would come up to disciples, what would he say? Follow me. And they did. But even though they followed him for three years, <laughs> they still didn't get it. Right? So here's what he said to them in Acts chapter 1. You will receive power. What kind of power? You'll receive power to do my life in you when the Holy Spirit comes upon you. And here, look at, look at what Galatians 5.18. The Spirit doesn't say, follow me. The Spirit says, I want to lead you. I want to have that kind of influence in your life. What does it mean to be led? Here's how I know I'm being led. The more you're led, the more the struggle goes away. You know that? I talk to some Christians and they just say, this is so hard, John, it's so hard. It's like, yeah, I know, because you're still fighting for the throne. To be led is to be hooked up to a powerful train engine going down the tracks of life. You're not not following an an Indianapolis pace car. You're hooked up to the powerful engine of the Holy Spirit, and when you're doing that, you're on track to be pleasing unto God and to do what he says. You know what it feels like when you're, when you're not walking in the Spirit? You know what it feels like? I can tell you from experience. It feels like I'm climbing a ladder with no end. 
it just wears me down. It wears me out. Because I realize climbing that ladder, I'm trying to live the Christian life in my own strength, and that's impossible. Then secondly, Galatians 5, 22 and 23 But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. Against such things there is no law. By the way, the reason there is no law anymore is because you have surpassed the law. You don't need a speed sign anymore. You know, in heaven, there are no traffic signs. You know why? Because everybody will go slow when they need to go slow. And they'll speed up when they need to speed up. And they'll stop when they need to stop. Why? Without Without external prompts, they will be totally living in the Spirit. That's what heaven will be like. That was the way we were intended to live. Do you know, Adam and Eve, Adam and Eve, The only thing they were told is don't eat from that tree. Other than that, all they had to do was pay attention to what God was saying. So Eve would come up to Adam and say, so what are you going to do today? I'm going to name animals and I'm going to work in the garden. Well, why are you going to do that? Well, that's what God said. (laughs) That's it. That's simple. No internal conflict. Now, when, when uh, Paul uses this phrase, the fruit of the Spirit, he's talking about something very similar that Jesus said in John chapter 15. What did John say? What did Jesus say in John chapter 15? I am the vine, you're the branches. Abide in me, and you will bear much fruit. Do you know how the fruit of the Spirit gets born in us? By abiding in the Holy Spirit, who is teaching us to abide in Christ. You're abiding when you're resting on the promises of God. That's what we're resting on. We're we're resting on the promises of God and not on the the false promises of this world. Because here's what the world is always promising. It's promising to fulfill all the things you want in life. That's what the the devil is doing. Remember I told you last week, here's here's what one of the big lies of the devil. Sin is better. Whatever you're thinking will fill up your life. You need to know that's wrong. God is not good. Sin is better. The moment you start believing that stuff, you stop producing fruit. When I'm abiding... Here's the great truth I know. I know that only Jesus can satisfy my soul. Nothing else. Only Jesus. And we live on his promises. One of the reasons you need to be reading your Bible is not just because it's a good discipline or to fulfill your devotional life. When I'm reading through Scripture, you know what I'm doing? I'm looking for a promise. (laughs) That's what I'm looking for. This whole new life started with a promise. Whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. Lord, here I am. I want that. And I'm going to believe that, even though I can't see it. But by faith, 
I see with the eyes of my heart, and I apply that promise, and I'm living my whole life based on that single promise. But that's not the only promise. You know how many promises there are in Scripture? A guy actually went through the Scripture and counted up how many promises there are. You know how many there are? 8,810. That's a lot of promises, right? And, and that's how we, we go through the Scripture. And when the world and the flesh and the devil come along and make us some kind of false promise of fulfillment, we have the promises of God to turn to, and we say, no, no to that, yes to the promises of God. I choose by faith to trust God, and what he tells me is the way to live. And, and I want to do that, and the Holy Spirit makes it possible. You know, we were not designed to have an old nature. It wasn't, it wasn't part of the equation. It's an enemy that came in. We were designed to have a new nature, the nature that was responsive to God until the old nature came in. Can I tell you something? Um, Jesus was made in all ways like us except one way. How was he different? He did not have an old nature, a sin nature. He didn't have the flesh. In fact, in John chapter 14, verse 30, he's talking to his disciples, and he says, he says, the enemy is coming. We have to go. And he has no part in me. So he overcame the world, and he overcame uh, the evil one, But as to the new nature, he was constantly indwelt by the Holy Spirit and working in his power and walking by the Spirit. You know what the hardest thing in the Christian life is? After this message, I'm going to tell you what the hardest thing is. You know what it is? Walking in the Spirit. I can check all the boxes about being a Christian. I'm, I'm a disciplined enough person that I can make up my mind and, for the most part, pull it off. But you know what? It wears me down. It wears me out. And I've discovered that walking in the Spirit is so much better and so much more victorious. I hate to say this, Most Christians not only don't walk in the Spirit, most Christians don't even know what that means. But I would encourage you this week to go over Galatians 5. Read it (laughs) and look for promises in there. And every time you read Scripture from this point on, I hope you say before you start, Holy Spirit, show me a promise that I can latch on today, that I can write it down, And when the world, the flesh, or the devil show up, I can meet them head on with your promises that I choose to believe by faith. Let's pray. Father, thank you for your word. Thank you, Lord, for your spirit that you graciously send to us. 
It's how we were supposed to live. We were supposed to live with your directive. We were supposed to live listening to what you wanted us to do, being the people that you wanted us to be. It sounds so simple. Just do what you tell us to do. But Lord, we've made it very difficult. We pray, Lord, that you would bless each one here and each one here would have a greater sense and a greater willingness to listen to you and to walk in the Spirit. In Jesus' name, amen.